Good evening. Hello. Just to share with you a little bit out of baptisms and just add my congratulations to those guys. That's just amazing to reaffirm. And I, I, you'll be here, lots of different kind of perspectives. There might be some friends and family that you've come along to, to witness. Uh, you're so welcome. We've got newcomers as well. Just really welcome. Um, yeah, great to have you with us. So uh, have you ever made uh, a quick decision that you later came to regret? I'm not talking about Jamie and Anna. Have you ever made, have you, because that's a long decision, well made. Have you, have you ever made a quick decision? Just turn to your neighbour. Have you ever made a decision hastily that you came to regret? Just go for it a moment or two. Don't worry. I won't ask you to say out loud. So uh, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to, to say out loud, but my, my guess is, uh, if I just ask you to put your hand up, have you ever made a decision quickly that you then later regretted? Just just quick show of hands. Okay, just look at all the people who haven't got their hands up, they're lying. Just forgive them in the name of Jesus. Because uh, we do it all the time, um, uh, big and small. Th- this guy really wished that he uh, had <laughs> taken a bit more notice of the signs, not thought, I'll park quickly um, and, and not watch the tide. Yeah, we do it all the time. Here, here's a different question, but, but uh, a similar kind of thing. Um, if you knew exactly what was going to happen, let's say, you know, tomorrow or the next day, you knew exactly how your life was going to work out, would it make any difference to the way that you, you live to take? Just, just wonder. This is, this is a, a, a sharper question, and just to uh, hope it won't land too sharply with anyone immediately in the room, but if you knew you were going to die at the end of this coming week, would it make any difference to the way that you live this week out. Sorry to kind of, bit of a downer, but yeah, you see, you see knowing, the, knowing the future, Hills was speaking this morning, brilliant talk, and there's some stuff that she said about this topic that I'm on tonight that I'm not going to have time tonight. I just really encourage you to, to, to listen to it, listen back to it. She was yeah, really great, great talk. And she was talking about their daughter, Tim and Hills' daughter, who, who, when she's watching a film, will quick, quickly Google um, or look up to see the ending of the film to then kind of feel relaxed about watching the rest of the film. Anyone else do that? Anyone flick to the end of the book to find out? I mean, there are certain things. Like Miss Marple, it's always the first person that you reject who's done it. Anyway, sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, but 
but knowing the end. Um, so the thing tonight we're just thinking about, just talking about, we've got this, this theme of courageous resistance that we're thinking about as a church family. If you're a guest here, welcome. This is what we're thinking about over the coming year. We're going to dip into it in different ways, um, but we're thinking about what it means to both dig our heels in when we need to, stand firm in, in what God says to us about who we are, some of the things that we've kind of already reflected in the, the baptism tonight, but also be on the front foot as well to actually be good news and share good news. We're, we're do, doing these two, these two things. And uh, we've, we've touched on some stuff already. We've touched on uh, from a, the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament, first part of our Bibles, the story of Daniel. And we've looked already about this, how this character Daniel, some of you will be familiar with who Daniel is, others of you won't know, don't worry. But basically Daniel was in a situation where he could have compromised. He could have really compromised his identity, he really could have compromised everything that he had faith, everything that he believed in, you know, about God. He was in a hostile environment, he was in exile, his people, God's people had been taken because of their rebellion, because they kept on messing up, been taken into physical exile, which kind of reflected spiritually what was going on. And we've looked at how he refused to compromise uh, and he didn't give up his identity as a, as a lover of God. And then we were, last week we were talking about how he, he resisted fear. He resisted the pressure of, of fear. And I'm tonight looking at one last thing. Because someone called Rick Warren has said that um, the number one problem in our society is short-term thinking. The number one problem ignoring the consequences of actions, uh, even if they damage ourselves or they damage other people, or a kind of an expectation, a sort of a, a belief that fulfilment comes from having everything now, and that we all have a right to, to everything right, right now. And so we, actually that feeds into anxiety and it feeds into disappointment. And of course, we could look big picture as well. We could look at short-term thinking about the climate, about about eco-issues, that we're kind of short-termism. We could look at health service, we could look at lots of things in our society and we could say there's a real problem that people only think very short-term and we're not thinking far enough ahead, we're not looking ahead. And really what Rick Warren is saying when he says that, and I, I think he's you know, kind of right, there's, there's something in us as, as human beings, there's something quite primal about who, who we are. Maybe it's kind of you know, our history, our evolutionary history as hunter-gatherers. And you know, we, whenever we could get something, we had to quickly eat it and gather it because we couldn't guarantee that we were going to get another meal further down the line. But, but maybe that's been made worse. This, this living in the now, this living short term, this not looking to the future being made worse by, by technology. You know, I'm old enough to remember when you sent a letter and then I'm old enough to remember when you, you know, you kind of did a fax. No, don't worry, none of these things. I had one of the original brick kind of mobile phones. I've still got it. I'll get a lot of money for it one day. You know, and then email came, and, then, and when email first came in in my generation, it was still a polite thing to expect that you'd kind of wait 24 hours for a reply. Does that, doesn't compute, does it now? In instant thinking and instant expectation. And, and this has a consequence. And maybe, maybe you, you kind of, you're already ahead of me, you know what 
this means. It has a consequence personally. I think it is underlies a lot of anxiety and a lot of stuff and it underlies a lot of disappointment and it has a consequence in our relationship with God as well and that's what we're just sort of focusing on a bit tonight because in this series on courageous resistance we've been looking at a couple of kind of key themes key verses from from the Bible Um, a guy called Paul writing from Rome wrote in Romans 12 many of us will, will know this verse coming up on the screen he said I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God do not conform don't get squeezed another translation says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world don't get me molded don't be molded by this short-term thinking or, or fear as we were talking about or or the temptation to compromise but be transformed by the renewing of your mind think differently have a different mindset says Paul And then he wrote again to Ephesians, to a church in a place called Ephesus, modern day Turkey. And we were looking at this as a church family here, the book of Ephesians. And he said, let's be real about this. Underneath all of the rubbish, underneath all of the stuff that is not right in the world and in our lives, actually there is the evil one. There is the devil is ultimately behind. Evil is ultimately behind all of this. In, in what we were doing just now with jazz and with grace, we were celebrating that God has answers. God has answers to the things that squeeze us, that would try and mould us. And God has answers uh, to all of our needs. We, we, as I said, we've been looking at the example of, of Daniel. And the first part of the book of Daniel, chapters 1 to 6, um, it's in the late sort of Babylonian, early Persian Empire time, 5th and 6th century BC, if you want to know the history. Um, as I've said, Daniel's in, in exile in this place, Babylon, and he's been selected to do some special stuff, one of a small group of administrators. And there's a pressure, as that slide is saying, he's in a, a hostile culture, this pressure to give up on his identity and turn away from God. Anyone here feel that? And there's kind of, there's carrots that he's offered, there's good stuff that he's offered and and isn't that our story? There are things that are attractive and they draw us and they they kind of excite us. I mean, every time on the TV when that advert comes on for, is it a maze where you can enter a drawer and win a two million pound house and a car? You know, the drawer finishes tonight at midnight and just before I came, yeah, and I was just sort of thinking, ooh, you know... I mean, I'd, I'd sell it and give, you know, 25% to you, God. All right, let's do a deal at 30%, you know. I'd say that, so there's carrots, there's good things that, that kind of the world, you know, and I don't want to knock everything. There's lots of good things because God has created everything. But, but sadly, the devil twists and deceives and evil disrupts and it takes good things and it tries to turn them into idols, Idols are, are good things that, that take too big a place in, in our life. You, you can spot, usually, if something is horrible, if something is just immediately wrong for you, you can spot that and say, okay, don't go there. But the subtlety of the kind of carrots that, that Daniel was faced with and we get faced with in our lives is they, they feel good. 
you know, social media has got some good dynamics to it. The ability to communicate well has got good dynamics to about it. The, the ability to have lots of kind of friends and keep up with people. There are good things about it. But it gets twisted. And there are also carrots, good things, and there were some sticks. And last week we were looking at lions. There was real fear presented to, to Daniel. But he trusts in God's provision. That's, that's the story, God's practical pr- provision. But today, here's, here's this bit that we're just going to finish off on, and this little three set on Daniel. Just this, as I've already said, this, this real act of courageous resistance, which is to resist the deception of now thinking, a wrong kind of now thinking. That's what we're, that's what we're on. And, and the positive is, what does it mean to live in the life, in the light of both the now and the not yet of God's work, of his work on, on earth? What does it mean to have, yes, both be fully present and to live in the light of everything to come? And that's what these guys again have done, that fully present, go down into the water and that there's something now that's happening right now, and God wants us to enjoy, wants them to enjoy life now. But in the words that Tim was leading them in and we've shared in together, there was this future perspective as well. And they were saying, what does it mean to live in the light of the God story, the Jesus story that is the centre of all things? I wonder if you know that, that when you have your spiritual eyes open, maybe you're, some of you here, you wouldn't describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. You're, you're wondering what does it mean to say that, what happens when you say, yes, I believe that God, you loved us so much that you came and you walked on earth. You didn't just sort of kind of, you know, dispatch a created being called Jesus. It was you, it was God on earth. And then, and then you go on the cross and it's God on the cross. It's not separate. It's not kind of God in heaven sort of saying sorry to this Jesus figure down here. It's God himself being whipped for you and me, being nailed onto the cross. It's God doing it. What, what happens when you say yes, as these guys have said? Well, you're, we believe that you're born again. And we, we say not born again physically, but born again spiritually. For me, becoming a Christian was shifting from seeing the world in kind of black and white, sort of kind of muted tones, to seeing the world in full colour. All of my senses being alive. If if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you think I'm saying you're missing out, I'm saying, yes, you're missing out. I'm saying to you, you're not living life in all its fullness. Because the spiritual eyes, the spiritual part of us, mind and body, soul and spirit comes alive. That's what we were celebrating, going down into the water and back up. And and what happens is that God gives you spiritual sight in three dimensions. And and they're here. You get long sight as a Christian. You, You live as a follower of Jesus is to say, I know how this is going. I know, I know the the story ahead. You get, you get foresight, which is kind of the next bit of the path. And you get insight, 
You get like a, you might want to think about long sight being the binoculars that allow you to see far ahead. Foresight might be a pair of glasses, just being able to see what's a bit more in front of you. Insight, you might think it's almost like the, the magnifying glass. Do you want that? Do you need that? There's so much of the world that's not looking just even a few days ahead. It's not even putting on the glasses. It's not even putting actually using the magnifying glass to look inside and see what's going on. But it's definitely not got the binoculars on. When I was your age, to a lot of you, 21 was the time when everything changed. That was the grow-up moment. Is it still 30 or has it shifted a bit? Are some of you going to claim 35? Now, just feel the stretch, feel the tension. I, I'm not sure if I think that's a good thing or if, if it kind of puts off. Don't put your hand up, but I wonder if there's anyone here thinking, I'll wait till I'm 30 to get my life sorted out. By the time I'm 30. Well, that might not come. Anyone here who needs to look further ahead? Anyone here needs to put some glasses on? Because you see, the second part of Daniel, we're just focusing on, is the, is the visions of Daniel. Uh, he, he has dreams in chapter 7, and we're just going to read a little bit of it. And, and what he sees in the dreams, he sees the consequences of human arrogance, of human beings not taking God seriously. And the picture he's given by God is of animals, four different beasts. I haven't got time tonight to go into it, but if you want to read it. Four different beasts that each represent four human empires. Maybe the empires that we've already seen, the Babylonian, the Persian, the Greek empire, the Roman empire. Some other people interpret it and say maybe they're actually even empires still to come. But they've got the same kind of imagery. They're beasts that come out of an angry sea. And the sea in the Bible represents um, uh, chaos. And danger. Some of us who know the Bible story of Jesus calming the storm is such a powerful picture of God's power over chaos. And this is, here's some verses. This is what, this is what Daniel then sees as these four beasts think. You know, it looks like the whole world is, is going to erupt and be destroyed. The evil is going to win. Here's what he sees. Here's some verses from, from Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. As I looked, he said, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. And this is, a, this is a vision of God in heaven. We know that from the next things that are said. His clothing was as white as snow, white the symbol of divine presence of God. The hair of his beard was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. He's sort of kind of just a moment. This is the vision he had. He's, he's seen this vision of these Beasts rising up and being incredibly powerful and destroying. But then he sees this. And the, the court, verse 10 of chapter 7, the court was seated. So the picture is of a courtroom. It's a judge who opens, opens books. And a little bit later, verse 13. There before me, he says, was one like a son of man, 
coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Just a shorthand for some of us, son of man's referring to Jesus. It's a, a title that Jesus used of himself and was used about him, is used constantly through the New Testament. It's got the expectation for God's people as they write the scriptures, they write the Bible of the Messiah, the Saviour, the one coming to save. You've got the Ancient of Days, God the Father on the throne. Everything laid out before. He's judge of everything and everyone. Do you, do you know that one day you're going to stand before God and there's going to be a book and in it will be everything. But the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Saviour, it's a title that, that speaks of, of Jesus' divinity and his humanity. It brings the two together in this fusion that is the incarnation, that is Jesus. The Son of Man steps forward. Daniel chapter 7 is one of the most important chapters in the Old Testament because it gives us this big picture image of the, the kingdom of God, that, that whatever things look like on this earth, however bad things might seem or attractive things might seem, there is this God story, there's this big picture that we're called to resist the temptation just to only look into our immediate circle, only just look just a little bit ahead. We're called to live in the light of this big picture. And when we read through our Bibles, it's God's right rule, his, this, this, this dominion, this everlasting dominion. It's God being in his right place. In our, in our lives in, and in the world. That's the, the kingdom picture that we have. It's, it's not a geographical, uh, you know, it's not defined on, on ground communion, um, dominion and kingdom, it's, but it's in hearts, it's in people's hearts and minds. And it's a hope. It's a hope for all generations. Again, Hill spoke really eloquently about this morning. Do you, do you just despair? Do you just think there's no answer? Do you just think, you know, life is rubbish and there's so much stuff that's going on and how can there ever be a resolution to it personally for stuff that's going on for you or in our world? Well, this vision that Daniel has and it's the, it's the vision that Scripture, the whole Bible speaks of. It's the vision that Jesus inhabited, walked, lived and shared. It's the, it's the vision that we baptise into and we come up out of. It's the, the vision into which we're sort of dispatching jazz and grace today is, is a hope, a hope for all generations. That however big the beasts However chaotic the storm, however bad and high the waves seem to hit you, however much the whatever it is in the world that kind of might squeeze you and press you, God, but God, comes on his throne and there's salvation, there's freedom 
Sin divides, sin spoils, sin is everything that stops us being fully ourselves. Sin is the the stuff that prevents us seeing the the whole world in all of its colour. The the sin is the stuff that stops us waking up and smelling the roses and really being who we're called to be and enjoying who we're called to be. And, And the Bible story is of a God who saves us past from the penalty of sin, that's what we were celebrating with the water, the penalty of sin is paid, that book is opened and all my rubbish will be there alongside a few very small column of good stuff but when that book is opened and God looks at me and says, Andrew, did you know me? Did you know Jesus? I'll say yes and Jesus will say yes. I've paid, I've paid that stuff. And it's paid properly, it's dealt with. God has to do that. Sin has to be judged. Otherwise, God is not being pure and holy and right to his character and to his nature, to being love. It's not loving to let evil just off the hook. It's not loving just to ignore stuff that's rubbish. That's not loving. Love deals with the rubbish. Love deals with it, God himself dealing with it, absorbs it, pays the penalty. So the penalty, the past is paid. And, and one day, as that little slide says, in the future, when I'm in heaven with God, when, that, when I'm standing before the throne, exactly whether it will look like this or not, I don't know. But, but there's no sin in, in heaven, in eternity. There's no presence of rubbish at all. And in between, I'm being saved from the power Day by day, little by little, I'm being saved from the power of rubbish over my life. If I have this long-term vision, if I'm inviting, I'm looking with my spiritual eyes, inviting God the Holy Spirit to come. This is what we've been celebrating. We toasted the King and his kingdom Living in the light of God's now, because it is now and the not yet reality. It's both and, and it's a tension. Many of you know this, many of us know this. It's a tension. The kingdom is, we're, we're taught to pray for the kingdom to come, and Jesus says the kingdom is here. So we live in a tension. It's a bit like when I go to the airport and I go on those travelators. I feel like I've got one foot on a kind of kingdom travelator and one on the, you know what I mean? And there's a stretch. And, and kind of being a citizen of heaven and a citizen of earth at the same time as, as I am until Jesus returns or until I die and see him that way. It, it's got stretch in it. If you want to explain, if you want to understand the tension, if you want to know why, why this is tough, that this explains it. The kingdom of God, the rule of God is a a becoming kingdom. It's becoming. But God knows the future. God knows the future. Yes, he only tells us what we need to know now. And I, I, you know, I wish so often I say to God, can you just tell me a bit more? But he doesn't. For good reason, I'm sure. He's the centre of all things, not not me. Do you need the relief? Are you here tonight? Do you need the relief? 
the peace that comes from knowing that God sees you, God has got you, God has got all of it. It's not running chaotically. It's, it's not in doubt how the end of the story goes. Do you need that peace? Do you need to accept that? Do you need to do what Jazz and Grace have done and said, yes, I need to receive? Because you can't create the kingdom. You can't create the stuff of God. You can only receive. This vision actually happened, although it's chapter 7 in Daniel, it happened for Daniel before he went into the lion's den. If you look at the who was the king at the beginning of the verse, it actually happened before Daniel went into the lion's den. Now, I don't want to, for a moment, diminish the reality of Daniel's very real courage and fear that he had to overcome in facing the lions. But where did that faith come from? It came from the fact that he was able to trust in the big picture, in knowing, in knowing this vision, having this vision. And Jesus kind of gives a manifesto just to finish a manifesto for all of us who want to say, I'm going to reject short-term thinking. I'm going to reject the idea that my happiness, my fulfillment is just in consuming what I can have now. I'm going to reject the idea that I'm defined by how many followers I've got on on a social media channel or how many people have liked that particular kind of picture and video that I put together to frankly, present myself in quite a good light. That doesn't define me. And there's a manifesto, as I say, for those of us who say, I'm not going to let fear, I'm not going to let anxiety, I'm not going to let worry about the future rule my life because I can trust that God knows the future. I can trust that he'll show me what I need to show. He'll, he'll give me the long picture, he'll give me the medium picture and he'll, he'll give me insight. He'll guide me. He's promised. Well, the manifesto for people like that, people who courageously resist the way the world would try and mould is in, a, is in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is filled with the Spirit. Many of you will know this. Jesus is filled with the Spirit after he's been tempted by the devil very directly. The devil says, shortcut everything. Go for the easy options. Be moulded in world ways. And Jesus says no, and he goes to, the te- goes to the synagogue in his hometown and he announces good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight, release for the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And these are practical and spiritual calls. So our resistance is when we pray. Our resistance is when we worship. Our resistance massively is when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. 
Our resistance is when we serve the poor. Our resistance is when we're generous with everything that God has given to us. We live in this tension of the kingdom, the now and the not yet. We don't see everyone healed that we pray for, but we always pray for people to be healed as signs of the kingdom. We live in this tension, but being a follower of Jesus, being someone who steps out of the pool and walks the rest of their life, seeing and feeling and being aware of everything, is people who've got this bigger picture vision. This bigger sense of who God is and how much he loves us. Even though it's a stretch, it's a tension so often. I wonder, just as you think, just as I invite God now, just to come. As I think about and talk about opening your spiritual eyes, just Holy Spirit, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, God to come, and just to open some eyes. Where do you need to increase your sense of God. There may be one or two people who you're here tonight and you know this is actually a crunch moment of invitation from God. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you? Do you believe that through his death on the cross, you are freed from the penalty of sin? Do you want to say to God now, I confess, I say to you, God, I am sorry for things that have been wrong. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I want to receive the gift of new life. I want to be born again spiritually. Is there anyone here who's done that in the past, but the truth is you've stepped away from God? And right now, tonight, as you've witnessed two people make public declarations, here is your moment to say, God, I'm coming back to you in a new way. I'm coming back to you in a fresh way. Is there anyone here tonight who needs to say, God, I'm sorry that I have been short term in my thinking. I have not been living in the light 
of your eternal story. I've let things of the now mould me. And in the name of Jesus, I am saying no to those things now. I'm saying no to that relationship that brings out the worst in me, not the best. I'm saying no to that stuff that takes my attention. And then I'm wondering if there's anyone here tonight who wants to say to God, using the images of the kind of binoculars for long sight, I need, to, I need something, God, from you, the further future. Or the glasses, I need, Spirit, would you come? Would you open my eyes to the path that's kind of immediately in front? Or there's anyone here who almost needs to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a magnifying glass to be able to give you insight, give you understanding into what's really going on right, right here. Just ask the Holy Spirit, just invite the Holy Spirit, God, to come. Thank you, Lord. Before the celebration, when we were praying, someone had the, uh, the picture of a, a young baby for the first time discovering that they could go through the door that had always been there in the room, but their, their world had been restricted just to the one room. And they suddenly realised that they could go through the door into a new space. And just the wondering if there might be any here tonight where you can see a door or you can sense a door that God is calling you to go through. He's saying, don't let yourself just be restricted by the possibly safe space that you've just been stuck in. I'm calling you tonight to, to go into a new space. That might have real courage attached to it. Might not be easy. Easy. 